Welcome to Standing in Her Power Global. I am your host, Penny Sophocles. In this podcast, I speak to unique and interesting women to hear their stories and their individual approaches to life and work. Each one offers living examples of how women are evolving our society for the better. They demonstrate what they can do, you can do too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Standing in Her Power Global. This podcast is directed at women and men who are interested to understand the women's point of view, but specifically for women who want to gain some inspiration and some understanding from other women who have achieved a great deal in their career to see that if they can do something that you could do it too. We have so many different avenues and paths that as women we could travel today, um, these days and it's about learning that how you can actually get there yourself. Today I'm delighted to welcome Brige Leahy who's the CEO of the Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce and she's had a fascinating career and uh, we're going to be talking to her today. So Brige, welcome. Thank you Penny. Delighted that you're here. So Please, for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Okay, well, I'm one of the baby boomers, I think. So I started my career in the 80s um, and really um, I just wanted a job. That's what I was told to do. Go out, earn some money. Um, Not really career minded. I didn't come from a, a wealthy family. None of us went to university. We've all done it on our own later on in life. So it was get a job. Um, if you've got money, you've got power. And we're not talking big money, just enough to survive. Um, and it was really get a roof over your head. So not that ambitious, really. Um, and it was only as I started to work and I met other women who were top of their game or moving up the ladder that I thought I want a piece of that. So. My first real proper job um, was working for a logistics company back in the 80s. It was family run. And actually, the owner of that company was female. And she'd inherited that company from her dad. And she was quite a phenomenal lady. Um, And I learned that business inside out. I learned the finance. I even went out on the vehicles to see how it was all done. And I helped that business grow to just over three million. And I became sales director over time. But I was very well thought of in the company, very well mentored, very secure. And then the crunch came when I kind of said, well, you know, I've done all of this. Can I have shares? Can I be a partner? And it was, no, you're not family. I probably stayed too long, if the truth be known. But then that's the security and you have a mortgage and you think you're doing well, but you get kind of boxed in and you don't perhaps speak to other women and networking wasn't so big in those days or there weren't many women when you went to networking it was mainly men so there weren't the women there too because they were working on their careers or families or trying to do both um but then an opportunity came where I was headhunted and that blew me away number one why on earth did they want me well they wanted my contacts let's be honest and I had a lot of contacts so I went to this company and that was an interesting interview because the owner wanted to sell the company eventually and he wanted X number of turnover in a short period of time in order to get the sale. And he said to me, well, what are you asking, Bruce? So I said, well, I'll put my flag in the sand. You put your flag in the sand and we'll see how far apart we are. 
And I went big, Penny, because I thought this is an opportunity <laughs> to, well, test the water. What's he going to say? No, or he's going to negotiate, or he's going to say yes. Well, he did nearly fall off the chair, but he said, yep, okay, I, I, I think we can, we can do this. And I drove from Surrey back to Hertfordshire thinking, did that really happen? So I got everything I asked for um, and more because I asked for shares in the company when it was sold. Um, Now, this was my first board job. So I was going into the boardroom um, and I hadn't got a Scooby-Doo. Not really. I'd I'd kind of oversold myself, but I thought, well, I can learn on, on the job on the way. And if I last... A year I'm in. Um, and I can remember sitting in that boardroom, um, only female. And they, of course. <laughs> only female. And that was a bit of a shock for some of them. Um, but over time, they all warmed to me because I actually did what I said I was going to do, which was to bring the revenue in. Um, but I, there's some funny things like, you know, they put a screen up in this gorgeous boardroom. Um, and I can remember they were talking about EBIT and I didn't even know what that was. Um, I Googled that. Um, and found out what it was. Still don't completely always understand it because I'm not an accountant, but I know enough to be able to hold my work. And over time, six years I spent with them till the company was sold. And a bigger company is so much different than a smaller company. I was in a little family before. And so I was in this company that, I don't know, 300 people spread all over the UK. Um, Met some really good people in that company as well. And it was the culture that was missing for me. In the, the bigger culture. company. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were there to do your job and do your job only and excel in your job and make the revenue. It was driven in that direction. Um, anyway, the time came for me to leave and I had in my head crazy idea in 2010 to set up my own business and actually set up a company that I would be proud to work for. Not own, but work for. So it was a completely different um, analogy. Didn't think about how much money I was going to make. Didn't really think about the huge risk. I went to Lloyds Bank and put my house on the line. Um, But I know, big step. And I'm doing this completely on my own. Um, You know, I didn't have a partner at home. It was my house, my risk. Um, and everyone tried to talk me out of it um, and said, this is crazy. We're just coming out of financial crisis. What are you doing? But I was very fortunate to get a contract with Canon that was a £3 million deal. Wow. Which sounds fantastic, but yeah. I didn't make a penny out of that. That just basically got the company off the ground and the infrastructure. Right. But then you can build on it. So I think what I would say is I was, some people might say mad. I would say I was courageous. I was brave. And I actually believed in myself. And I thought, if I can't do this, then I know it isn't for me. But I was willing to take that risk. Anyway, it was a huge success. It was hard work. And that business was built from 2010 and then sold it in 2018. And why did you sell it, do you think? Oh, that was because I had so many people who wanted it. Okay, that's a great. Yeah, it wasn't in the plan. Okay, It wasn't in the plan. So, but it was actually fortunate on a few levels. At the beginning of, well, middle of 2018, 
when the company was sold, I thought, oh, great, I'll be a lady of leisure for a little while. Um, didn't think about working, so I'd never stopped. And you go flat because I wasn't a business owner. Yes. I wasn't anybody. That was, you know, it it paid back. The reward came after all the long processes, the sleepless nights and so on. But what happens then is you haven't you haven't got an identity. And there is something about having an identity, and that's whether you're male or female. But I think for me, it ne- I needed an identity. So I spent the summer, um, and Penny, I phoned up charities. Nobody ever phoned me back. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you were offering your services, were you, to charities? And they weren't? Not ringing me back. Um, right. And then I, I, I had been a member of Hearts Chamber, and I phoned up a lady called Mary Sykes. Um, and said to her, "Is it? Does anybody want some free help scaling their business? I need to be doing something." And she said to me in her Canadian accent, mm, "People get a bit nervous when they think it's for free. They think there's a catch." Okay, she said, "Do you have a CV?" And I said, "No, I don't. I haven't had one of those for years. I'll knock something up." And it was a, a, a complete knock-up job. Um, sent it off to Mary. Didn't hear a word. Um, and sat here thinking, this is it. And I'm too young not to be doing something. Um, and this is the funny thing. I said to my partner, Martin, he was the CEO of a big company in Surrey. Why don't you give up your job and then we can do something together? So he gave his six months notice in the September. And then in the December, I got an email from the Hearts Chamber saying, you've been shortlisted for the role. And the interviews are in January, but it didn't say what the role was. <laughs> I knew what the role was, and I thought, oh my God, they need my help. And that's three years ago, and here I am. Very good, very good. And um, we'll we'll talk separately about you know what you've achieved uh, at the Hearts Chamber uh, a little later. But uh, I'd be interested to sort of. It, it struck me that you said actually you didn't really have a plan in on your career when you started. No. Um, you didn't have any projections for your future or what you wanted to achieve. No. Um, looking back on it now, what do you think about that? Well, looking back on it now, I think actually I was I not I didn't fail. I think that adults around me failed when I was at school and so on to not nurture where you're going to be and what you can do and actually show you the opportunities. That has changed now. We, um, well, I've always networked with other women when I've got into work. And I think learning from other women and also helping women that are coming up the ranks is very rewarding, but actually it helps you. Yes. Um, yes. And I do a lot of that where I'll help them with their CV or I'll, I'll try and open doors for them. And we also do this with our Entrepreneur Foundation um, because there are less female entrepreneurs than there are male entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, and so we really help those female entrepreneurs with um, confidence, believing in it and, and helping them on that journey to success. Sure. So, but uh, despite not having a plan and despite not having a projection of what your success was, go- was going to look like, you obviously were incredibly driven do you know what that, um, what you put that down to? Is it just your innate natural talent? Um, was it um, something in your family? Was it something in your schooling that made you feel so driven to succeed and 
um, you know, take chances, take risks and be an entrepreneur? I think coming from a large family, you're always competitive. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I'm very competitive. Um, I'm very ambitious and I have an attitude of that's never going to get in my way. We're going to force through that and we're going to get to where we need to get to. Um, Poor Martin, my partner, he's the opposite to me. That's why it works. If he says, I don't think that's going to work, I'm going to go and find a way to make it work. So that is innate in my personality, in my DNA. Right, uh, right. Nothing is too big to to overcome. We can do it. Takes a lot for me to back down and say it's not going to work. Takes a lot. Uh, if you look at your career now, what were the the things in in your journey that you most appreciated in terms of the things that happened or the um, achievements that you made? You know, what are the things that stand out that led to those things happening? Okay, so I think it is sheer hard work as well as talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for having talent. I think many people do. Um, it takes hard work, it does take talent, and it does take a self belief. And it actually is when something does go wrong, put that behind you and move on. Always move on um, and seize every opportunity that comes your way. Yes. Even if you think it's too big for you. Um, the chances are it's just been written in a way that sounds too big for you. When you're actually in it, you then realise, gosh, this is a piece of cake. I can sometimes, do this. Yeah, some things look like they're going to be too big, the way it's been written. Maybe that's because it's been written from a male perspective. In a, We've got a different way of reading things and taking things on board. That's what makes us different from men. So yes. I've always said, seize the opportunity, give it a go. What have you got to lose? It's better to have had a go than to have regret not having the go. It sounds to me um, that you don't and have never suffered from the imposter syndrome. No, no. Because this this is so many, so many women talk about the imposter syndrome these days. And I think, what on earth are they talking about, really? You know, uh, so you have never suffered from it. So what do you put that down to? I think it's confidence. I think it is more, I meet so many women at the chamber of all different ages and they all maybe look at me or other people and think, oh gosh, look at how, I'll never be able to do that. Well, actually everything is is there for the taking. You just need to put yourself in the mix and it is confidence. Right. It's self-belief. And and maybe we're in doctrine to think that that isn't for us, but I think we do have to, um, and it's, it's, networking and making connections and and maybe having a mentor of somebody who has done it that gives you that confidence and it's just lack of confidence it's not lack of skill it's not lack of talent and it's not lack of being actually successful it's just that first step of yes I can do this right okay if I was to ask you what part men have played in your career versus the part that women have played what would you say Okay, I've had a lot of men open doors for me, um, not just physically, but <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> um, I have met some great men along the way who I am. It's funny, when you meet somebody that's of the same psyche and they actually believe in you too and they see how good you are, they stay in your network. I have people that I worked with 30 years ago that are retired, but we're still in contact mm. um, because we had a great working relationship. And this is not just 
work colleagues. These are clients as well. In fact, I'm meeting one of the clients that I worked with with GSK many years ago. He's just retiring in his 70s and we're having coffee. So we've known each other 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's really, I found that the men that I've come across that have wanted to work with me have believed in me. You keep that relationship. You okay. keep that relationship. And it's have- the same with women as well. Sure. Have you found any misogyny uh, play a part in your career? (laughs) Occasionally. But you can imagine, Penny, I don't suffer fools. Can I tell you a very quick, funny story? do. (laughs) And I won't mention any names. And some of our chamber ladies will have heard this story. We call him the sugar man. So it was my first board meeting at the big corporate. And I walked in, huge table, coffee and tea on the back wall and there was only one guy in there I didn't know him he didn't know me I introduced myself as the new sales director he grunted and anyway I went immediately to make the coffee and offered him one boy do I regret making coffee for people sometimes yeah so I said to him how do you take it and he said white please and I said sugar he said yes oh how many spoons I've got my back to him he's got my his back to me he sat at the desk and he said six grains. And I thought, what? so I didn't even turn around. I said, what does that look like on the spoon? And he said to me, if you don't know that, maybe you're in the wrong room. And by that time, unbeknown to me, the room had filled up with the other directors. So they're hearing this. And what do you think I did, Penny? I have no idea, but I might, I might guess what I might have done. <laughs> I put six large heaped spoons in the coffee I gave it a lovely stir and I stuck it in front of him and then I sat down the board meeting started but my focus was on that cup waiting for him to take a sip which he did and he put the cup down he glared at me and I thought swords have been drawn I'm never going to win this guy over so don't bother with him work on the others in the room and that's what I did eventually he resigned and his beef was that I was on £30,000 more than he. So that was the beef. <laughs> so, yeah, he was the winner. Yes. Looking back on your life, are there any regrets in terms of choices that you made, things that you didn't go for that you w- wish you had, um, things that uh, you would do differently today if you were you were in that scenario? I think if I was... I don't know, 18, 19 now, the first thing I would do is get a a, a better qualification when I'm younger because it would have just actually made the journey maybe a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I did open university quite late in life, in my 30s. Yes. And it's hard work. It really is working, building your career and trying to do that at the same time. So I probably would have maybe gone down the, you know, the qualification bit earlier on. Mm. Um, Staying too long staying too long because you're comfortable uh you're promised something it doesn't happen you stay a little bit longer the same promise comes along and it doesn't happen when the promise doesn't happen first time that is the time to move on right that's a great clue isn't it yeah and actually a promise is just what it is if they really want you to have it why not give it to you at that time very good so i would say if it's not been offered and it's been, you know, procrastinated, it's going to be in six months, eight months, 10 months, whatever, they're not going to do it. You should say, give it to me now and I'll prove it, that you've made the right choice. 
I think that's I think that's a great attitude actually. Give it to me now and I'll prove it because yeah. then you're on an equal yeah. uh, basis with each other. Very good. Um, do you feel that in any part of your career you were forced to compromise your approach or yourself or your integrity in any way because of external circumstances or because of, you know, the requirements of other people? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, I would say I always put my integrity first. Mm. Absolutely. And when when we had Luna, we had the, the Canon contract and then we won another contract, um, which was great. But their values did not match with ours. And I had sleepless nights over this. And in the end, I would have not had any staff. And I made the decision that we were going to actually give them notice, which would send us straight into the red. Everybody would be on a three day a week and I'd have to find another contract. Right. So I didn't compromise. I actually took the ball by the horns and I made the decision. But it wasn't a quick decision. I think I've gone up several times to this company and said, this is not the way we should be doing business. The relationship isn't working the way. And in the end, I was going nowhere. So I made the decision for all of us. Because I actually think it's better to make a decision than not. Yeah. And even if that had been the most disastrous decision and we didn't find another contract, which we did, which was huge, um, I needed that headspace to go and find something else. So sometimes you just have to cut things off if it's not right. Yeah. And I think that you're speaking to a principle that I hold very dear, which is that it, your integrity is more important than a client. You know, often... When I'm talking with people, they will say, you know, well, I, I must retain this client, even though it's not good for them or it's not uh, then the client is not um, ethically at the same level as them or, or or morally doing something that's really quite wrong. Yeah. You know, that is that's really important that you hold to your values and that you act in your values. So well done you. Um, about well, that. Also, if you're employing people, they're looking to you to, to, to actually shine that beacon. So you lose their respect and you haven't got a business without the people. That's a very important point that you're making. Yeah. yeah. The money will come if you follow the process. Yeah. But if you don't actually have your people behind you, you're not going to make any money. So tell me about um, your experience at Hertfordshire Chamber and oh, well. what you, you know, what you put your, your uh, achievements to, because obviously it's been a huge change that you've made in that organization because I used to be a member of the organization before you joined it and I can tell you it was not operating in the in the with the success that it is today so tell me about that tell well, us about that you, you and me Penny we were both members when it wasn't so um, vibrant and forward thinking and dynamic so I joined them in March 2019 <clears throat> and to be fair they'd been without a leader for some time so Really, I walked into a broken team, a business that hadn't been invested in. Um, everything that you could tick on a wrong box, you could tick. So um, that first year, really, it was um, getting the confidence back of the team, hearing what they had to say, putting some of those things right. So it was a slow, but I did it meticulously, listened to everybody, got everybody on the same side. And um, I think they will 
um, if you were speaking to them, they will remember me coming out of this office that had CEO written on the door, which is so old-fashioned. Um, and they would knock and they'd bring me in this little cup of tea with a saucer. And I think on the second day, I came out of that office and I said, okay, this door stays open. And the door stays open for a couple of reasons, which I will tell you, but the door stays, stays open. Stop making me cups of tea. If I want tea, I can get up and I make it for everybody. If I'm making tea for myself, I make it for everybody. That's how I am. And can you all calm down? None of you are saving lives. We're just a chamber of commerce. <laughs> I like that. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, and then somebody put their hand up and said, but why is the door open? I said, because I'm dyslexic and spell checker is no good. So when I'm writing something, I'm going to have to shout out <laughs> to the office, how do you spell X, whatever it is. And so I expect an answer to come back and then I can get, get on with my work. And I think it just shocked them. Um, I am a very different CEO. So the door stayed open. Um, we're now in different offices. I don't have an office. I sit with the team mm. because I think it's important. I am the leader of the team, but I am part of the team. So it's a, I have a different way. Maybe it's not everybody's way of doing things, but it's the way I do it. Mm. Um, every one of my team are absolutely amazing. We haven't lost anybody which is great over COVID. The ones with children, go home, take care of your children, do the homeschooling, us oldies. We'll keep it going for when you need to come back. Um, that was a challenge that year because really we were the voice of business and really kind of all that information that was coming from everywhere, we just put it into succinct weekly bulletins that people could read and actually understand. Mm -hmm. So that was that was really what we were there to do during that time. We couldn't network. We did Zoom networking. We kept everybody, you know, it's not net, just come and listen, hear from each other, support each other. We helped with the community. Um, and during that time, we gathered more support because of how proactive we were. Mm. And one of the biggest achievements in that time, and this was in 2020, was the big idea which was to set up an entrepreneur foundation. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting in the garden with a cup of tea thinking, oh, this will be over by the summer, like everybody, mm. uh, thinking, God, if I was setting up Luna, would I would I do it in this climate? Would I mm. go down that road? And I thought I would, but how many people wouldn't? Mm. So we set up an entrepreneur foundation and we've got about 40-odd entrepreneurs in that. It's free for them and we help them. But one of the loveliest parts is many of our female entrepreneurs um, would say, oh, no, I can't come to that. I haven't got the confidence or something. So we found, you know, mentors within the chamber, and I'm one of them, that we do it for free. We help them with their confidence. We've got one particular young lady who said she would never get on stage and speak. We can't get her off stage now, which is a real success. <laughs> She's very good at it. Um, that's something I don't particularly like doing, but she has nailed it. And for me, that's that's something I can look back and think, gosh, I helped that. I helped her do that. And look how good she is. Very good. Yes. And we've also got our women in leadership, which we encourage men to come along to because everyone learns from each other. Um, and men are coming to that now, which is great. Um, and we encourage you to bring your young daughters. Very good. So that they can see really good role models and also hear the journey. No one just sails through this. 
nobody. Um, we all have ups and downs. Personal life comes into it. You know, finances come into it. Could be health issues, not necessarily with yourself, but in the family. So sometimes you just have to put the priorities right. For me, it's health, family, job. And would uh, it sounds to me that that would be a very different prioritization list to a man's view of the CEO role in the Hertfordshire Chamber. But I would say possibly, yeah. And that is the mantra that my team know. We're right. very, it's a very flexible, it's a very caring. Culture is so important. Yeah. You know, by the time you've, you've employed somebody, trained them up, if you don't nurture it, what, I don't get why you would do it. You wouldn't do it with a garden plant, <laughs> you know, so why don't you do that with your people? So I think companies are now waking up to this, that you've got to nurture the talent that you've actually got there already. Very good indeed. Um, so you're doing that within the team that you have that operates the Hertfordshire Chamber. What uh, impact do you see that having upon the businesses that are your members? Huge, because um, when I first joined this, say we were doing, we do a lunch every month, there'd be 60. Now we've got over 100 with a waiting list. And that's because they're engaging with the team. Because the individuals in the team are happy and that's who the members get to, they can't all speak to me necessarily, mm. but they're getting that good vibe. If people are happy in work, it just it, it just comes out of them, whatever they're doing. Um, and a happy workforce is a successful business. Very good, indeed. Thank you so far. Um, coming to the end of our interview, um, so I'd really like to ask you, um, in closing... If you could summarize or condense some of the learning and um, lessons that you've achieved, that you've got from your career, what are the three pieces of advice you would give to women today that would help them if they're at the start or at the midpoint in their career? Okay, so I would say surround yourself with other successful women. So network with successful women yeah. because they'll all have something to pass on to you mm -hmm. um, always seize the opportunity even if it looks too big you can always cut it into little pieces when you're in um, that's what I've always done and um, keep that self-belief because if you believe in yourself everybody else around you will believe in you too fantastic but that third one keep that self-belief it's easy to say how do you do it when you have doubts or doubts will come up or doubts will come from other people how do you how do you reinforce that self-belief yeah so i've always tried to align myself with other successful women and we all will have a self-doubt but it's how long does that self-doubt last and how do you get out of it if you have other women mentors um to guide you along you all help each other. And it can also be men. It doesn't always have to be women. But if you're looking at a role model, it would be a woman. And I think being honest about what you're, doubt what you're doubting, be honest about it. And then somebody will break that down. And then you'll realise, actually, you've, over you've overwhelmed yourself with it. It's become too big. And yes. actually, it's not as big as, it, as the doubt is. A problem shared is a problem halved. And so is a doubt. Exactly. So if you voice the doubt 
then other people have the opportunity to eradicate it or to help you minimize it. Minimize it, yeah. Or if it is something that's truly there to help you overcome it. Yeah, to take action about it. Yeah, and that comes back to the lady who said, I'll never get on stage and speak. And now she's doing it. So she had her self-doubt. We showed her the way. We encouraged her. Um, and the first time she spoke on the stage, I was there in the audience with my thumbs up and she wouldn't make eye contact. And I thought, oh, my God, I've done something really bad. And when she came off, she said, I couldn't make eye contact because I burst into tears. I felt dreadful all mornings, you know, butterflies in my stomach. Now she just does it without a second thought. Fantastic. Well, thank you very, very much, uh, Brige. I mean, I know that uh, the Chamber is a great success and I know it's a lot to do with your energy and your approach and attitude. So thank you for, for the Chamber, um, as I'm a member, but also for your wise words today to um, our listening audience. And I would encourage any of the um, ladies that are going to be listening to this to get in touch and come to Women in Leadership. Meet these fabulous women, hear them speak and just network with them for the day. Fantastic. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll be um, posting some of that information about when the Chamber events are on, actually, in our Corporate Alchemy newsletter. So we'll make sure that, that our audience knows about that, too. Lovely. Thanks, Penny. Thank you very much, Bridge. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Standing in Her Power Global. What has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation? Please join our Facebook group to give us your feedback and engage in the discussions there. Share this episode with others who may be interested. Thank you for listening and we'll meet again in the next episode of Standing in Her Power Global.